The Liberals Gun Corner, a proud progeny of the Gun Rights Radio Network, hosted by Cowboy T, San Francisco liberal with a gun. This podcast is always available at www.liberalsguncorner.com, and you can email us at cowboyt at liberalsguncorner.com. Cowboy T here. Welcome to episode 46. It's presidential primary election time again, folks. The year is 2016. Today is March 16th. We just had another Tuesday set of elections. Matter of fact, we're currently in the middle of a rather unusual set of presidential campaigns, both on the Republican side and the Democratic side. Therefore, it's especially fitting, I think, that we should discuss a constitutionally guaranteed civil right. That would be, of course, the right to keep and bear arms, of course. (laughs) Sometime last year, though, there was uh, some good old-fashioned spirited debate. This was going on over at the the Liberal Gun Club forums back when I was, you know, on that forum. Well, one of those uh, debates was about campus carry as a defense against rape. Hmm, let's see here. You're talking about campus carry, an incendiary subject, and campus rape, another incendiary subject. What you get when you mix two incendiary things, folks? <laughs> yep, you get... An earth-shattering kaboom! Remember that campus rape thing? Yeah, hot topic. Rape on college campuses and such. Yeah, it's been a hot topic since the early 90s, folks. Well, that's just one example of a situation where you'd probably really, really like to get your assailant the heck away from you. Oh, sure, there's a, you know, there's a handful of college kids under 18, you know, those super-duper brainiac kids. They go to college at like 14 and up. I was never that smart. Well, I've, but I have met a few of them, so I know they exist. But I also know this. The vast majority of college students are adults. I'm talking 18 and older, old enough to get drafted, a machine gun shoved in their hands, and and get told, son, go take that hill. I served in the military, folks, so as far as I'm concerned, old enough to be drafted to die for your country, old enough to exercise your constitutional rights as well. Just like back in the 60s, you know, when this is back when 18-year-olds were saying, old enough to fight, old enough to vote, remember that? I sure remember learning about it, and they had a good point. Why in Sam Hill would you be expected to die for your country and you can't even exercise your constitutional right to vote? Come on. Uh, Same with the just as constitutionally guaranteed right to keep and bear arms. Now, my personal feelings on that aside, we do have certain laws that say 21 and over is legal for concealed carrying a firearm. Now note, I said concealed there. That matters. Because 18-year-olds can open carry. That's perfectly legal, at least in states like Virginia, West Virginia. Um, oh gosh, there's a, there's a whole host of them. Uh, I think you can do it in Pennsylvania too. Yes, you can do it in Pennsylvania. And I see no problem whatsoever with that. And why should there be? 18-year-olds drive cars, and that's not even a specifically called-out constitutional right. Oh, but 18-year-olds drink! 
Yes, so do 80-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 25-year-olds, 55-year-olds, 65-year-olds, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and so on. So I see no reason why someone who, who can be drafted to fight and die for his country should not be able to carry a gun. Well, especially if the uh, the feminists are actually right about their claimed campus rape statistics. If they're right, then they should be advocating for everybody in colleges, especially females, to be carrying a gun. So why aren't they? Where are you now, Patricia Ireland? You know, where are you now, Gloria Steinem, Susan Medea Benjamin, Shannon Watts, Diane Sawyer? Where are you all now? I'll tell you where they are. I'll tell you where they are. They're hiding from the truth. I'm going to demonstrate that to you. This is with a real life story here, folks. This was told to me by a listener. Now, except for any personally identifying information, you know, like names, addresses, social security numbers, names of firstborn, and all that other good stuff, this is verbatim. I quote, Hi, Cowboy T. I appreciate your voice and very glad you have made the comments you have. I've shared my experience on this forum with a few um, on this forum or any place. I'm going to share it with you. Many years ago in the early 1980s, I was attacked, assaulted, and robbed by three armed assailants on my college campus while I was walking to my car. As I was going down, I saw a weapon. Could have been a knife or a gun. Moments before I had realized my only option was to try to run, I'm not a sprinter. When I was hit on the head and pushed, I decided to not move and just fall. At the time, Texas did not have any kind of legal concealed carry that came in that came in the 1990s. Since then, I've never liked having anyone walk behind me since, and to some extent don't care to walk in crowds. This was a distinct change I realized a few years later. Attacks cause trauma as well as other physical wounds. Monetary losses can always be recouped, but there is never a guarantee that your attacker only wants to rob you. Nor does it guarantee that a rapist will let you live. And not to mention the trauma any such experience has on the victim. Trying to dismiss a person's ability and choice to protect themselves disturbs me in this current discussion. I've said enough of my thoughts on the preemptive on the thread, so I won't repeat it here. But it does seem appalling to contemplate that a person's right to defend themselves should be negated because it's possible that that in a frat party, someone might be falsely accused of rape. Thank you for letting me unload. Regards, loyal listener. Well, loyal listener, I couldn't agree more with you. Huh, come to think of it, There's a famous newscaster whose name I won't yet mention, I may do so in a future episode, who finally admitted, after several attempts at questioning, that she fundamentally agrees with you. And yes, she's an anti, but she still wants guns to protect herself. You, sir, I say thank you. Bottom line, folks, violence is violence. And it doesn't make a bit of difference whether it's on a college campus or out here in the rest of the world. It's still violence. Dead is still dead. And I see no reason why adults on college campuses should be deprived of the choice of methods to defend themselves, same as the above loyal listener has. 
or that my dad did, for that matter, during his lifetime, or me. No difference, folks. None. No difference at all. As long as you're not a prohibited person, you deserve that choice. No difference. Dead is still dead. Assaulted is still assaulted. Cut by a knife is still cut by a knife. And yeah, raped is still raped. If Diane Feinstein, folks, wanted a gun that badly to defend herself, and she did, she's on the record about that, well, there must be something to it after all, huh? We'll be back. Okay, um, we're back. Few things have happened here in Virginia uh, relating to guns and the carry thereof. I'll tell you about them. First, let's talk about something that our current governor, Terry McAuliffe, did a a few months ago. Uh, This is back in October of 2015, about five months ago. Well, he issued something called Executive Order Number 50. What this says, oh heck, I'll just read you what the signs say. I quote, It is the policy of the Commonwealth of Virginia that open and concealed carry of firearms shall be prohibited in offices owned, leased, or controlled by executive branch agencies unless held by law enforcement authorized security, or military personnel authorized to carry firearms in accordance with their duties. Close quote. I see. Well, that's going to sound pretty good to some folks, won't it? After all, why would anyone need to carry a gun in, say, a state police precinct building? Or the Department of General Services? Or an office of the Virginia Department of Transportation. (laughs) Why indeed? Well, I'd say, why not? Remember, folks, unlike other countries, this is the United States of America. I know that because I took an oath to defend and protect the Constitution of the United States of America. This country was founded on a default allow legal philosophy. Um, That is, your rights don't come from the state. No, 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 no. Uh Uh-uh. Rather, they're inherent in your being a human being. And therefore, any restrictions on those rights have to be for a really good reason. And they need to be narrowly tailored. I've carried plenty of times in county police precincts, both open and concealed. That's right. I carried in the police department building. That's right. Guess what? No problems whatsoever. None. Wasn't even an issue. 
I happened to be going home from a gun show, and I actually had some business at the police precinct, and I happened to be open carrying, as is my right here in the state of Virginia. Didn't bother the cops at all. There was, there was no issue at all. I know plenty of folks working in state-owned or state-controlled buildings. You know, they, they used to carry at work perfectly legally. I knew lots of them. Or I should say I know lots of them because I still know them. You know, especially ladies who'd like to have, you know, a little protection in that dark parking lot after work. Y'all know what I mean? Totally has not been an issue. I'm not aware of the huge numbers of permit holders walking into any police precinct in the entire state and going shooting at people. Hmm. And come to think of it, I haven't heard of any open carriers doing that either. Not just the concealed carriers, the open carriers. They they all have both been good boys and girls. Yeah, I'm not aware of that problem here in Virginia. And uh, I assure you, you look at a map, Virginia's a pretty good-sized state. If you have evidence to the contrary, by the way, that there have been all these shootings here in Virginia, let me know at cowboyt at liberalsguncorner.com. I'll look at what you present to me, and we'll talk about it in a future episode. If you have that evidence, I would, seriously, I'd like to see it. I will consider it. But right now, I ain't seeing it. Same applies to the Department of General Services, by the way. I'm not aware of the Department of General Services having you know, legal, legal gun carriers, open or concealed, going in and having a shooting spree. Just not aware of that happening. Oh. Same applies to the, well, the aforementioned Virginia Department of Transportation, also known as VDOT, around here. That's the folks who maintain our roads. Oh, sure, on occasion, yeah, I might let a <clears throat> colorful word or two slip if I hit a you know a pothole that's been there for a long time. Yeah, but that's as far as it's going to go. You know, be like Muttley, wrestle, 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 wrestle. You know, I still keep heading where I'm going. I'm not. I'm not aware of anyone getting mad enough about a pothole to go into the V dot office and start shooting people. This never happened. Hmm. You know, so far, no problems with legal gun carriers. You know, come to think of it, same applies, speaking of transportation, to the Virginia Department of Motor Vehicles. Yeah, the DMV. You know, you go to the DMV, you get your license or your tags renewed, you know, get a driver's license, state ID replacement, say your wallet or your purse gets stolen, take the driving test, all that good stuff. We've got DMV offices in our shopping malls, too, like most places, like most states in this, in this country. We've got them in our neighborhoods. Well, duh, it's the DM freaking V. They're everywhere. They need to be. People have been carrying in their local DMVs in Virginia for years. You know, any okay corral reenactments in the DMV? I don't know anybody that really likes to go to the DMV. So this, this matters. You know, why? Because it's slow. Come on, hurry up, folks. Hurry up. I've been waiting here an hour. Why don't you call my number? I haven't heard any okay corral reenactments in any DMVs. Nope. No problems. So what's up? Actually, if anybody would have a problem, you'd think it'd be the Virginia Department of Taxation. <laughs> I don't know anybody actually likes paying taxes, folks. <laughs> but nope. No incidents there either. Okay, here's a good one. Let's look at the Virginia Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control. Yeah, the Virginia ABC. 
Now, those of you in Bible Belt states, you all know about these. California, you're not cursed with an ABC uh, type of department with, uh, in, this, in the way that it's done here in Virginia. But Bible Belt, Bible Belt states, you know what I mean, okay? Since alcohol was viewed back in the day as a sin, and still is by some people today, that means cells of it just had to be controlled by the state. Yeah, you know, in a lot of states that had what they call uh, blue laws back in the old days. Well, Virginia is one of them. Therefore, only the state can legally sell hard liquor here. Beer and wine, yeah, sure, you can go get that in your local Safeway or you know, Vons or you know, Albertsons, your local grocery store, Wegmans, whatever it may be. But anything stronger than that, say, you know, Jack Daniels, schnapps, vodkas, my dad used to like vodka, the occasional vodka, your, your cognats, you know, and my personal favorites, Grand Marnier and Frangelico. I love Frangelico. Those can only be legally sold in the Virginia ABC stores. But hey, Cowboy T, guns and alcohol don't mix. Well, if you're talking about actually drinking and carrying, then yeah, I agree. They don't mix. But we're not talking about that. No, that's not what we're discussing here. Rather, we're talking about purchasing and carrying. Not drinking and carrying, purchasing and carrying. Remember, buying a fifth of Johnny Walker or whatever is the exact same process as buying a, a two-liter bottle of 7-Up Pepsi or Coke. Or for that matter, buying a bottle of Chardonnay from your local Safeway or Trader Joe's or whatever. Same exact process. Essentially, you're grocery shopping. It's just for booze, that's all. And by the way, actual drinking in the ABC stores... That, friends and neighbors, is strictly prohibited. So I assure you, no actual drinking and buying is taking place there. <laughs> Not happening. Any shootings at the ABC stores? I couldn't find a single one. Matter of fact, I cannot find even a single incident of a legal gun carrier of any sort. Any sort going into a, any Virginia State agency agency building uh, and shooting somebody. I can't even find one, folks. Oh, oh whoa, whoa, hold it, Cowboy T. What about Virginia Tech? Huh? Huh? That's a state agency. You're right. It is. State universities are state agencies by definition. And we all know about the terrible mass murder that happened there eight years ago, don't we? And guess what? They had rules, very strict rules, against the carry of guns. You weren't allowed to carry there then, and you're still not now. That murderer flagrantly violated those rules. He broke the law. Remember, I specified legal gun carriers. I didn't talk about lawbreakers. He broke the law. It's called criminal trespass. And yes, it is a crime here in Virginia. By definition, he was not legally carrying at that state agency. By definition. And when he pulled that trigger and started killing people, all those innocent people, he dug on sure wasn't following the law, folks. That, friends and neighbors, is called murder. And that's the point. 
it was a gun-free zone. Still is. Look what happened in that gun-free zone. 32 innocent people got slaughtered by a lunatic. So, since Governor McAuliffe wants to ban you and me from carrying tools of self-defense in all state agency offices, does that mean he will likewise give up his own armed security when he enters those same state agency offices? (laughs) What do you think, folks? Sadly, people in power over others, like him, rarely seem to want to play by the rules that they want to apply to us. He's got a private army for himself and his family. This guy's got a private army that's armed to the teeth, possibly with fully automatic machine guns. It's called the state police. If he's so concerned about guns being so bad, then why does he feel the need to have guns protecting him and his? Kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? We'll be back. We're back. Last year, uh, this is during February of 2015, um, Orange County High School and uh, a place called Orange, Virginia. Yes, there's an Orange, Virginia, as well as California. This is the Virginia one. They had a, a Black History Month event. It was basically a presentation by several students from several different schools throughout the district that was entitled Black Lives Matter. Hands up, don't shoot. Well, Orange, Virginia is a town of just over, what, 4,000 people. Of the population, at least according to Wikipedia's statistics, it's um, 72.1% white, 22.9% black, and not really a whole lot of any other so-called racial category. Well, Cop's daughter was part of this event. His wife went there. She uh, expressed when she got home that she felt threatened by, and I quote, anti-police propaganda, and she ended up leaving along with several other white parents. Now, this has been a common theme that I've heard. You know, war on cops, war on police. I'll um, read you something that the officer uh, posted up on a pro-police Facebook page. He said, I work very hard to serve my community. I don't make a lot of money, and I don't ask for recognition for doing my job. But to hear my baby girl ask us, why do cops shoot good people? Are they bad cops? Does that make you bad? Referring to him. It was heartbreaking and infuriating all at the same time. Well, he and his wife um, said that they were upset at what he called anti-police propaganda. I quote again. We were excited to allow our daughter to participate in a black history event. But we were not told our daughter would be participating in a political event. Close quote. 
Okay. Well, let's talk about that. I recall being in high school, and there were black there were uh, Black History Month events. One of which was a reenactment of a um, a mother losing her daughter uh, to a slave auction. Apparently, she'd gotten back from the fields, and her daughter was gone, and she was calling around looking for her daughter, panicking, as any mother would do when your your child is missing. It was heartbreaking. It was heart wrenching to watch this actress portray this. I thought she had really happened. I thought it really happened to her in modern days. I'm going, what's happening? You know, wasn't that like outlawed a hundred and some odd years ago? I'm in high school thinking this. I breathed a huge sigh of relief when she finally took a deep breath, looked at the audience and said, thank you. And turned and walked off of the, uh, off of the gym. This is in the, uh, this is on the basketball court in the uh, assembly room. That was a political event, folks. The whole Black History Month thing is, by definition, political. Any Black History Month event is going, any activity is going to, by definition, be a political event. Why? Well, because of the history of this country. Here's what he could have done instead. When his daughter asked him, Why do cops shoot good people? Are they bad cops? Does that make you bad? Referring to the officer. He could have, and I think should have, told his daughter something like this. Honey, not all cops are that way. There are some out here that are bad, yes. There are a few out here who do make bad assumptions about people just because of their skin color. But they're in the minority. Most cops, they're like me. They're good people who want to do their jobs and keep people safe, just like your daddy does for you and mommy and other people. Unfortunately, we haven't gotten rid of racism just yet, and that's what that program was about. We're still working on it. I think he missed a good opportunity here to educate his daughter. And that's sad. I hope that later on he took some time to reflect on what happened and perhaps maybe explain this to his daughter. Unfortunately, I kind of doubt that'll happen. So what's going on here with why this uh, police officer was so upset? Well, this is part of this new war on police, war on cops narrative. And I got to say, war on cops? Really? Really? Well, I don't see a war on cops here, but I do see that there's been a war on Browns for decades. I'll get into why I don't see war on cops here in just a moment. I'd like to, I'd like to ask these same people that get upset when there's a, you know, when there's a, oh, you know, Black Lives Matter, you know, hands up, don't shoot kind of deal. Well, where is that same anger when the cops do bad things to us, the people? Where is it? Where is their anger then? You know, we had the same kind of um, you know protest response too after the Rodney King beatings. I remember them because I was in college then. We've talked about this sort of thing before, folks, uh, in previous episodes. Seems to me that the cops are only upset now that they're getting looked at. Finally, throughout history, folks, the watchers—they never seem to like it when they themselves are getting watched. You know, there's the San Francisco Police Department racism case with um, these crazy texts. It was five officers that we know of that were involved. My goodness, the N-word was slung around. They're talking about, you know, you know cross burnings and, yeah, I've done that before. And, you know, uh, even calling for the death of black people just for being black, calling them terrible names. Um, I'll post a link to that in, in the, in the, the, on the Liberals Gun Corner webpage if you really want to read that, but it's ugly. You know, there was the Walter Scott shooting in South Carolina by an officer, Michael Slager. We talked about that before. 
he finally got charged with murder. And I understand he's now out of the police force. It took a videotape to get him. Then there was Brian, a fellow named Brian Hayward. He called 911 to help him out with folks who were breaking into his own house. Yeah. And then he gets shot by a deputy, Keith Tyner. Why? He's black. And he had a gun on him. Why did Brian Hayward have that gun on him? Well, to defend himself. You call 911 and you get shot. This, by the way, was in the same county um, that um, Officer Michael Slager uh, shot and planted the evidence on Walter Scott. There was the time that Sheree Johnson and Dennis White, two Hollywood actors, you know, well-off, you know, rich, famous actors. Yeah, they're on TV and such like that, TV movies. They got harassed and threatened and handcuffed by South Carolina police, too. They They were on their way to a romantic getaway. And the Seattle Police Department is still under federal eyeballs, and rightly so, for repeated police brutality and racial harassment throughout the years. I remember living in Seattle and hearing about that. My dad's friends there in Seattle told me of some stories, boy, oh boy. Thank goodness I never had to actually see that. My dad took pains to keep me away from this. Now, let's contrast that with how the occupiers, the, you know, the recent occupiers of the, that Oregon Wildlife Refuge, this is earlier this year, were treated. Anybody shoot at them? Not that I'm aware of. Well, there was one guy that got violent. He did get shot. But sitting there in the buildings, no. Nobody shot at them for four weeks. The one guy got shot, well, that's because he did something stupid. I mean, he like he actually threatened you know, the police. They had to shoot him then. But the other folks, no. They were treated with patience. If they wanted to leave peacefully, law enforcement would allow it, as long as they were identified at a checkpoint as they were leaving. I remind you, these illegal occupiers were armed, folks, armed to the teeth. And I saw pictures of seven of them that were eventually, peacefully, arrested. Yep, all white. I can only imagine how that would have gone down if those illegal occupiers, armed to the teeth, had been, say, black or maybe Arabic-looking, and just as armed to the teeth. Let's also contrast that with the affluenza teenager, Ethan Couch. Remember him? Yeah. His sentence for that hit-and-run that killed four people? Hit and run. Killed four people. He got 10 years probation. Yeah, that was his um, uh, uh, sentence, if you can call it that. Probation. Well, he and his mommy then fled to Mexico, and he went right back to his alcohol and drug party and life of luxury, aided and abetted by his mommy. Well, fortunately, they were apprehended in Puerto Vallarta. Well, now mommy is under house arrest. Get this, house arrest. After posting $75,000 bond. $75,000 bond for someone as rich as, you know, their, their, as their family is? My God. They reach in their pocket. Get that. Well, the kid, Ethan Couch, now, what is he, 19 now? So now he's an adult. He himself is in juvenile detention. Juvenile detention. He's 19 years old. Oh, see, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm wrong. He's 18. He's actually 18. He's about to turn 19. I'm sorry. Technically, he is still 18. Now, what about the judge, Gene Boyd, Miss Miss uh, Ms. Jean Boyd, who gave him that slap on the pinky sentence in the first place? Well, here's what she told the Daily Mail online newspaper just last month. Quote, I had all the facts. Most people don't. They just don't understand. Close quote. 
Oh, really, Your Honor? We just don't understand, huh? Well, Judge Boyd was then asked if she regretted her slap-on-the-wrist sentencing in light of Ethan Couch's fleeing to Mexico in gross violation of that probation. She answered, No, I have nothing else to say. <laughs> oh, by the way, after that case hit the news you know, a couple years ago, she apparently had decided to retire. <laughs> Go figure. And now, just a few weeks ago, we have the following little tidbit. A Black Lives Matter activist, a fellow named Marshawn McCarroll, unfortunately decided to take his own life and commit suicide. <sighs> yeah. This got posted on Facebook. Now, apparently this guy also had founded a teen mentoring program and a Feed the Homeless program that, that was called Feed the Streets. Now, I don't know about you folks, but to me, that sounds like a pretty upstanding citizen. <laughs> you know, th 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 this guy did a lot of good. Well, one officer in Ohio decided to comment, state of Ohio, he decided to comment, and I quote, love a happy ending on the news of Mr. McCarroll's suicide. That officer's name? Officer Lee Sire, I think I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, is spelled C-Y-R, of the Fairborn Police Department. Yep, Officer Sire is white. Marshawn McCarroll was black. Fortunately, once this hit the news, the Fairborn Police Department fired this now former officer. But here's the concern, folks. The fact that a sworn police officer would even do such a thing in the first place, I think, illustrates the problem here very well. Clearly, all lives matter to him. Unless they're black. That's a problem, folks. Especially when you've been entrusted with that badge and the legal authority to kill somebody. That's what those kids were talking about last year in Orange County, uh, Virginia, at the Black History Month event. They were talking about that. That whole way of thinking. So, denying there's a problem with law enforcement misconduct when dealing especially with people of color. Well, that's about as silly as it gets, folks. You might as well deny the Holocaust, for God's sake. Yeah. And now i got to ask, how is it somehow anti-police propaganda, as that parent in Orange County, or excuse me, in Orange, Virginia said, how is it somehow anti-police propaganda to point this stuff out, this kind of misconduct out? Personally, I don't see how it is. There's a fellow... Uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, a sheriff named David Clark. This guy gets a lot of things right, especially when he said, arm yourselves, join me, you know, get yourself armed, get yourself trained. He was right on that. He, he's got a lot of other things right, too. But on this one, I'm afraid he's wrong. And as a black man himself, he of all people should know better. When a police officer gets that badge and gun bestowed upon him or her, a whole lot of responsibility comes with along with, with all that power that the officer just got so if there's a quote-unquote war well then there's a war on police misconduct and well there should be you darn tootin there ought to be every good cop out there should be joining the rest of us in that war against police misconduct 
We need them to do this. Why they typically don't? That's a very good question now, isn't it? Why indeed? So, those of you in law enforcement, and I know quite a few of you personally, we need you to help put a stop, not to policing, no, no. Policing done properly is a noble profession, as I've said before. Rather, we need to help you, we need your help to put a stop, and we can help you, but we also need you to help us put a stop rather to the abuses by some of your colleagues, like those in San Francisco calling black men the N-word, for example, like those who allowed Freddie Gray to die in their custody like that there in Maryland, like those who, sh- who took a, a shoot-first attitude against twelve-year-old a 12-year-old kid, Tamir Rice, with his toy gun. Let me tell you, folks, I used to have a toy gun back when I was that age, too. Even before, I remember playing with a... You know, my little cap gun when I was nine years old. You know, the ones with the little red paper rolls. You put them in. They advance, you know, as you cock the hammer back and you pull the trigger and it goes, pop. Yeah, and there's a little puff of smoke at the, you know, the back of it. Yeah, cap gun. I had one. And so on. Well, my goodness. Heck, you know, the, the, the He-Man action figures of the 1980s. You remember, you know, He-Man. That filmation thing with Tila and Orko and, you know, Man at Arms and the Sorceress and... Skeletor. <laughs> Remember that show? Uh, I couldn't get enough of that show. Well, there was an action figure from that show. They It had caps. I remember it. I was a teenager back then. Heck, I remember the Megatron toy from the Transformers. Yeah, you know the, um, you know the one that transforms into a gun? Yeah. Well, that toy is a big-time collector's item now. Yeah, Megatron, the Transformers. These are toys folks toys and i play with them myself you cops a whole lot of you you played with them too when you were kids just like i did i know because we played with that some of with the cap guns together in some cases plenty of people do call you heroes and that's because some of you actually have been and my hat's off to you for some of the stuff that you've done 9-11 oh my god yeah you ran into the burning building you're a hero for that. Sure you are. Uh, one time, I thought my house got broken into. You showed up at my house ready to defend me and my home. I really appreciate that. I do. So, be that hero some more and help us win this war against police misconduct when it happens. We need you, and we need you big time. Remember that old expression, All that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Well, you good cops out there, and I know you're out there because I know you personally in a lot of cases. We need you to not do nothing when these sorts of things happen. All lives do matter, including the black ones. Next time, next episode, we're going to talk a little more about the M1 Garand slash Garand slash however you want to pronounce it. (laughs) <laughs> by then I'll have had a little more time to play around with it. Now that should be fun. I got some 30-06 ammunition that's um, M1 Garin friendly. I'm looking forward to this. This is Cowboy T signing off. Until next time, folks. Until then, safe shooting. Keep practicing. And thanks for listening.